Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses, we'll begin from verses 27. The Bible says, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created him male and female created he them. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yes, he created man in his own image. Male and female created he them. That means in the image of God, there is male, there is female. That is important. <laughs> For some people who are trying to twist this, he should have had one image. But, but there's a reason why there was male and female in that image. Hello? There's a reason why there was male and female in his image. Praise God. Because some people are trying to change that to justify their story when they ought to seek help. Now, the Bible says in the next verse, And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Did you hear that? Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and what? And subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Somebody shout, hallelujah. In, verse, in Psalms chapter 8, verses 4, he says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. And thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go in Hebrews chapter 2, again he repeats the same Psalms of 8. In the 7th verse he says, Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Verse 7. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things under in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not all things put under him. Right? That means that there are things you might be in a state or situation where right? You, you don't see many things under you. You don't see things subject to you. That again doesn't take away what God did. He did it. Whether it's, you can see it yet or you haven't seen it, it's now on the man to see. It's not on the man to have. The man has Man has not seen, not many have seen. And some of the things that I'm going to share in this consequent minutes are to make you see uh, certain things. Somebody shout hallelujah. Look at the beauty of how God created man in his image and likeness. And he said, he told man, because you're created in my image and likeness, it's in your nature to be fruitful. He told him it's in your nature to multiply. It's in your nature to replenish the earth and subdue it. It's not simply something that is outside a man for a man to become. It is something that is in a man, embedded in a man's inherent 
nature as a creature that has been exalted above the beasts of the earth and anything that lives on the face of the earth. Somebody shout hallelujah. So when you're talking about dominion, when you're talking about subduing the earth, when you're talking about occupying, when you're talking about doing big things, building castles in the air, writing history and changing this world, I want you to look at it from the perspective of the nature that a man of man, it's in man, it was created for man and it's the responsibility of man. What people don't see there is responsibility. What many people see in that scripture is privilege. That I have the privilege that everything is under my feet. That I have the privilege that I have dominion over everything that creeps in the air and the flies. I have privilege over the, the works of God. I have privilege over the land. I have privilege over the earth. Many people look at the privilege and they don't look at the responsibility of what God has given them. God is not a God who gives privilege, right? Without responsibility. In the Christian life, never expect a privilege without responsibility. He says, to whom much is given, much more is what? Required. Never expect a privilege without responsibility. Somebody shout hallelujah. God will require you to account for how much he's given you. Now, because we don't see the responsibility that comes with this blessed grace that God has given mankind, many of us do not, we cannot be entrusted with much in the physical sense. Yet, in the metaphysical, the unseen world, these things exist for us. The fall of man revealed something very mighty about this experience. And this was it. That when man fell, man did not only fall uh, from the grace of the instruction of not eating the forbidden fruit. But man fell from many things, one of which was consciousness. Man fell from the consciousness of dominion. Man fell from the consciousness of subdue. Man fell from the consciousness of the responsibility of having much. And what did man become? Man became a survival being. Everything man does in the physical sense is for survival. People buy cars for survival. People buy houses for survival. They buy lands, a lot of them, and then they say, you know what? I need to have these many millions on my account and have this much for me because if I don't do that, my, uh, my children will suffer, my family will suffer, my life will suffer. I have to store, which is still okay to a certain degree, but I need to give you a certain understanding bigger than that because when you're in survival mode, you lose the kingdom mind. Are you hearing me? And you still carry the consciousness of the fallen nature in spite of the privilege and blessing that is in your life. God has not ordained you to live like, like normal human being. When you became born again, something had to change in the way you see life, in the way you relate with the kingdom things, in the way you relate with the life of men, in the way you respond to the blessing of Almighty God. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's how you know. That you're, you've been translated from darkness into light. That's how you know 
that you're maturing. That's how you know that you have a responsibility and a calling of God upon your life. You are awakened to the consciousness of the kingdom. Remember, in Genesis, there's always a missing story that many people ignore because it's not really given directly. But if you're a reader of the Bible, you'd see it out plainly. And this is it. When Satan and his cohorts fall, if you remember, when Satan and his cohorts fall, they wasted everything they found. Right? Now, when you begin in Genesis and say in the beginning, the earth was without form or void, that's not the real beginning. In fact, John's revelation of the beginning is older than Genesis' revelation because John begins with the word. The word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God and nothing that was made was made without him and all things are made for in him. It was like, John is older than Genesis. Somebody shout hallelujah. So Genesis is not the real beginning. Genesis is the beginning of the earth as we know it. Right? And the Bible says, and the earth was without form, and it was void. Did you hear what I just said? The earth was void. It was empty and without form, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, the word there, darkness, in the Hebrew, is ignorance, was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the earth. But you see, the Bible says, God has not created the world in emptiness. He has not created the world in in what? In waste. For that's the Lord that created the heavens and earth. God himself that formed the earth and made it. He has established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. He did not create it in vain. Right? He formed it. And yet by the time we see in Genesis, the earth was without form. God is not, he cannot create the entity without its form. He's not the creator of wastage. So, what you find in Genesis was not the real beginning, no. What you find in Genesis is Satan, his cohorts, they fall. And when they fall, they change the shape of the earth. That is why the instruction on man is replenish. Replenish. That means heal and restore. It's not in the nature of God to waste. It's not in the nature of a child of God to waste. It's in the nature of God to restore and replenish. It's in the nature of, of a child of God to restore and replenish. So if God is no author of waste and emptiness, what made the earth empty and waste and void? It was Satan in his courts. When darkness looms over the earth, it was because of the ignorance that was on the earth. When man is created, Satan had existed earlier. Otherwise, I would ask you, where did the serpent come from to tempt Eve? Satan had fallen before man came. You're following what I'm saying? God is not a waster. And that is why I have a big problem with people who are born again and they have a waste, a wasting spirit. They, they, they waste, right? I told somebody an example. I told them when Jesus fed 5,000 and more, the Bible says they had 12 baskets extra. You remember? What did Jesus do when the baskets were 12? Hello, what did Jesus do when the baskets were 12? He asked that they keep them. He asked that they keep them. He didn't tell them to throw it away. Right? Some of you were raised in families where there was not enough food. And that's a fact. You never had enough in your life. 
So you go on a wedding and, or a party and then there's a buffet and then somebody fetches more than they are going to eat. Are you hearing me? Listen, that is ungodly. Why? Go in the news and read how much hunger is in Mozambique right now because of the floods. Go in the north of Uganda and see how much hunger is there. I saw a video of Mozambique and, and people are hungry. You go, even in our nation only, there are people sleeping hungry. Not 20 kilometers away from you. Why do you waste? How do you think the heart of God responds to a man wasting bread when there's another man who needs it? When you go in a restaurant and eat food, if you feel you've left enough, pack it and go home, warm it and eat it. Or be like me. Sometimes I get it, give it to the security guards. Yes. Yes. If you're not going to eat it, you go home, give it to somebody else to eat it. Look for a street person. I usually do that myself. If I'm not going to eat something, I tell somebody, pack it. When they pack it, I look for a street kid or one of these security guards. You give him a nice Rolex or chapati or meat or pork and the guy goes and, and enjoys himself. Tell him, pack it. Give it to somebody who needs it. Stop wasting food because it's available. Stop wasting money because it's available. Stop spoiling things around you because they are available. God is not a waster. He's a saver for the next man. For the next man. For the next man. So don't waste. Tell anybody don't waste. If you go on a serving table, serve what you can eat. Yes. But it disturbs me every time plates of food are carried out. It disturbs my heart and I'm like, but what is wrong with it? That's why it's very hard for me not to finish food. If I have not, if I've not finished it, no, there's something wrong with that food. Very wrong. And I don't deserve it for another man to eat it too. Praise God, somebody. God is not a western. Are you following me? But here was the problem. Man went into survival mode. Right? And when man got survival instinct, he started to build things around him and lost the mind of the kingdom and lost the, the mentality of the kingdom. Isaiah chapter 14 and 13. You remember the words of Satan himself. He said, for thou hast said in thy heart, he's talking about Lucifer, I will ascend in heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north, verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. The thing that led to the fall of Lucifer, everything he wanted to do was for him. I will ascend to my throne. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will like, be like the most high God. The problem there was I will. The problem was there was I will. Lucifer gave an impression that it was about him. And what he wanted to accomplish. And many people are like that. They want to drive cars for will. They want to own properties and land for will. They want to subdue the earth for will. They want to occupy for personal will, personal gain. They never see themselves beyond. And then they never see the blessing of God beyond self. And every time you build a life like that, you're positioning yourself in the very place that led to the fall. 
of that silly boy called Lucifer. Somebody shout, hallelujah. Now, the Lord then prompted me on something and he said, look, do you realize that to whom man, the man God entrusted all of these things, right? The man God entrusted all of these things was a corruptible being. Can you think about it? Because until you know just how much generous God is to the corruptible, you'll never understand the generosity to the incorruptible. If God can be that giving to a corruptible man, how much can he give to an incorruptible man? Are you following what I'm saying? If, if, if God could get a man who can be corrupted, and then he tells him, multiply, even though you're corruptible. Be fruitful, even though you're corruptible. Replenish the earth and subdue it, even though you're corruptible. I have given you dominion over all the creatures of the earth, the flying, the creeping, and those underwater. They are all in your hands, even though you're corruptible. If God was to communicate the same responsibility, how much more generosity and responsibility would he give to the incorruptible seed? Know ye not, the Bible says, that you're born of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. It liveth and abideth forever. So you'll ask the question, how do you separate the corruptible from the incorruptible? Knowledge is the separator of the corruptible and the incorruptible. Knowledge is the separator of the corruptible and the incorruptible. It's knowledge. It's knowledge. Why? When Satan came to Eve and Adam to tempt them. There was a knowledge the first Adamic nature did not have. And that was that Adam and Eve could not discern that they were being deceived. You follow? The corruptible nature was limited by knowledge. All manner of corruption, all manner of corruption, all manner of corruption in this world is as a result of the limitation of knowledge. That's why one day I want to teach about why Jesus says forgive them for they know not. I want you to really know what they did not know. Because some people think that when Jesus says forgive them for they know not, some people get into the deception to think that he means that they did not know that he was a son of God or that he was a good man. No, 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 no. That's not what God was trying to talk about. I'll tell you why. Because you see, it was ordained already by heaven that this man should be crucified under the hand of those men. Isn't it? That he should be crucified under the hands of those men. Peter denied him, but he didn't say, forgive him, for he knoweth not. Judas Iscariot sold him, but he did not say to Judas that forgive him, for he knoweth not. In fact, when Judas, before Judas betrays him, he kisses him. You remember? It's more than just the knowledge, oh, they are, they are killing Jesus, because they do not know that he is a son of God. No, 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 no. It's deeper than that. There's a certain knowledge humanity was not exposed to. And you realize the man of scripture against Stephanos, when he's being stoned, against Stephen says the same words. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not. There was something that Christ and Stephanos saw. You see, the Bible says that the testimony of two or three witnesses, every word is established. God was trying to establish a deeper truth. Paul even brought it. He says, for had they known this wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It, it was just beyond the knowing of who the person was. It was a certain understanding and wisdom in God that they were indifferent from. I will teach about it one day by the grace of God. Pray for me. I'm in trouble now that I've committed. Oh Lord. But every nature of fall is as a result of ignorance. 
You remember when he says in Corinthians that I fear lest by any means the serpent should what? Should beguile you like he deceived Eve. And men, the Bible says, that happens because they are separated. They are alienated. They are corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ. You see that? A man is given knowledge and that knowledge instead of simplifying in Christ, it complicates in Christ. And he says, but I fear this by any means as the serpent beguiled it through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ. But how are the minds corrupted from the simplicity? When they are given a knowledge that is not knowledge or when they're ignorant of true knowledge and then the, the devil or, or Satan replaces truth with lies. And then when they receive deception, the simplicity in Christ disappears because they think that the simplicity in Christ means the simplicity of Christ. And those two are not the same. The simplicity of the Christ is not the same as the simplicity in Christ. Christ in Christ is simplicity. Right? But he, Christ, is not simple. He's deep. You understand? That is why the gospel is not understood by all men. That is why the theologian might not be able to dig deep into certain things. That is why there are things that you can never learn from Bible school. That is why people who are educated with degrees and PhDs are walking away from the same God when they were educated in the same wisdom of the world. So if a man defeated pure math, how come he cannot have reason enough to receive a savior? Because the simplicity in Christ is not the simplicity of the Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. I know you understand in Jesus' name. Say amen. So there's a limitation in knowledge. There's a limitation in knowledge. For as far as a man does not know is as far as a man can be deceived. And sometimes it's not what the man does not know. Sometimes it's what the man knows and is not truth. Are you following what I'm saying? Sometimes it's what man knows but it's not truth. It's not truth. That is why as you grow in the way of faith. As you grow in the understanding of faith you'll be so amazed, as it says in Romans, why he speaks of the access that we have through faith. This window called access through faith has been only limited because of carnal need. It's limited because of carnal need. But as you transcend carnality and become more spiritual, you realize that access will mean many things. Because the new creation, which is born of the incorruptible seed of the world, I mean of God, sorry, this incorruptible seed, which is the word of God that liveth and abideth forever, is different from the seed of the world and the first Adamic nature in this, that the first Adamic nature was trusted with the earth. The second Adamic nature which is you and I, which is incorruptible. God has trusted you both with the things of the earth and the things of heaven. Are you following what I'm saying? So we're not only responsible for the things happening on the earth, but we're also responsible 
for some of the activities happening in heaven. Of course, many people will not understand me. And I understand that, but I'll qualify that in a few seconds. Paul says, for our conversations are in heaven. From whence we look. What a bold statement. What an amazing word. He says, for our conversation is in heaven. From whence we look. That's why I told people, when you understand the access through faith, you will understand that some are visiting where some dwell. Right? Paul made very sensitive statements, but you see, sometimes we receive them carnally. And that's the most painful thing. He tells you, you are suited in Christ, in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. What does it mean to be seated in Christ? In the heavenly places in Christ. Why are you then only celebrating visitations? When you are seated in there. Somebody said hallelujah. He has raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Oh, so you're having a visitation of where you're supposed to dwell. Or because your carnal nature cannot recollect the experiences of heaven. Again, because there is much you've not accessed you tend to think that that is just an allegory. Listen, New Testament dispensations are not allegories. They are the substance. Allegories were spoken in Old Testament. New Testament, he gives the picture. When Jesus comes, we no longer speak of allegories and shadows. That is why when Paul is explaining the allegory of Sarah on Mount Sinai, it was an allegory, but he, he alluded to the Old Testament dispensation. New Testament dispensation is not allegory. That's Old Testament. It's not figures and shadows. No, it is the substance. He says which things were a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. He's now come, dead and resurrected. New creation, it does not deal with you in shadows, in allegories and hidden things. No, he deals with you plainly. Because now Jesus is in the flesh. Sadly, we still have New Testament people dealing with the Old Testament allegories. And for such, the person of Christ is not a full revelation. We can all see the same thing, but interpret it differently. Look at Moses. Moses is given an instruction to build a temple. And God casts a vision on that holy man. And tells him everything that is expected. And he tells him, look that thou make all these things after the pattern which I've showed thee in the mountain. Are you hearing me? He showed him a whole vision of how the temple should look like. And so faithfully, the man puts his hand to building exactly what he had seen in heaven. And God honored that presence to a degree. He, he put a cloud of presence there he put he put a presence in that very thing which a man had built as a pattern and form are you following what i'm saying because that was the level the nature of moses could receive he was a man relating with god but he was not a regenerated spirit in christ he was a man whose soul had been given to god but he was not a new creation so there is knowledge that was limited to him Paul later starts telling people, he gives clues to the new creature. He tells them, look, 
God does not dwell in, in temples built by human hands. Oh, but how come he was a cloud in Moses' day? No, he was a cloud in Moses' day because that was the only way that kind of natured man could see and know God. See, he relates with every man according to how much they understand of him. Same vision, but different revelation. The man of the book of Revelation, John the Revelator, travels to the same place years later and there is no temple. And he says the temple was our Lord God and, and, and Jesus Christ and the Lamb. They are the temple of it. There was no temple. The, oui, oui, there was no temple. There was no te what did Moses see to draw? It was only the abstract picture, again of allegory, for Moses to relate with God. New Testament cannot go in the heavenly places and still see temple. Because now when you become a new creation, he is plainly revealing himself to you. When you go to him now, you don't see the temple. You see God the temple and the Lamb the temple. But you see, that was the only way he could reveal himself. The three-faceted nature of him, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, is now what you and I understand as the outer court, yeah, the holy and the holy of holies. And their consequent responsibility. It doesn't mean that one is less than the other. It only means that they are all one complete temple and each one serves its own purpose. Where you burn the incense from and where you smell it from matters. Somebody shout hallelujah. And, and incense is the oil. Incense is the anointing. Are you following what I'm saying? Now you're a new creation. That is why he talks of the scribe which is instructed in the kingdom. He says, that scribe which is instructed into the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man, the Bible says, who, 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 unto a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure both the new and the old. This window, this sanctum of access by faith opens too much for you. And now I'm not talking about progressive knowledge, gnosko. I'm talking about scribe instructed. Scribe instructed. Let me give you a simpler understanding of this. When you apply faith, what do you apply to? To heal, to get a job, to get a car, to get a family, to get a business, for your next contract. And those are the testimonies on our altars every day. And all of those testimonies are okay. But those are only to the satisfaction of the carnal self. Have you ever applied your faith to more than a car and a house and a job and marriage and divine health? Can you apply your faith to accessing the things of the spirit? And how much can you access? He says both new and old. Remember that Jesus you have is the same yesterday, today and forever. Are you following what I'm saying? He is the beginning and the end is the Alpha and the Omega. When you understand this window and learn how to go enter that sanctum of, of revelation, you're going to be shocked that your future, not only will it, your future will not be a mystery, but you'll have the holistic plan of why your future explains your presence and explains your past. You'll know why he says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You see, 
If you don't do that, you're going to be slow in everything. How many books will you need to read to qualify to pastor? How many years of evangelism will you need to have a big ministry? Do you know there are men who have pastored for 30 years and 50 years and they don't have 20 members? And some of them think, oh no, you know, some of us will call for 20, some will call for 100, some will call for 2,000. Hey, wait, but he told you occupy until I come. But he told you multiply. He told you subdue. He told you be fruitful. Oh, no, 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 no. I think some of us were given 10, some of us were given 20. And you know, if I get my 20, I'm cool. Listen, then, then, then close the doors. Close the doors and say, oh, God called me for 20 people and that's it. Oh, Jesus did 12 disciples. You're lying. He didn't. He's still preaching the gospel. Jesus has not stopped. The father worketh and so do I. No, he just had 12 disciples. It doesn't mean that he only raised 12. He's still raising. Even now, Jesus is still raising. He's not stopped. And I'm not going to stop until the end of the earth. Whether I'm out of the body someday, my summons will be heard and they will bless us all. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say, I'm an eternal minister. Not only am I talking about ministry, go in your finances, go in everything. You will realize that you're going to be slower. And slow means predictable. Because that means artificial intelligence can explain your story. Augmented intelligence can explain your story. Last year, I think there was somebody who had an application and they were showing you key in some things and then it shows you the day you'll die. That person already died. But they died before their time. So even the app was wrong. But the consciousness that causes you to key in those things, right? To, to find out when you will die. You have a new creature. If you've done it, put your hand on your head and say, I repent. Put. Don't fear. Applications don't explain your existence. Somebody shout hallelujah. God does because he's the author and finisher of your face. Is the origin of your life, the source thereof. We buried that person way before because they were conscious of how long they would live. Some of you, if you went in machines, they would say you're dead. I know a guy, he went into a machine and then they did a viral load on him and they said, how are you alive? The guy told them, Rika Bando, Jeke Prakata. So what do you mean by that? Rika Bamba called Sheke Brando Zira. What do you mean? Rike re serebraka. No, what do you mean? Let me explain. Ki pronto se keke branda ko. What do you mean? Okay, simply put, the just shall live by faith. Tell your neighbor I'm living a long life in the name of Jesus. It's my decision. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Somebody shout hallelujah. This window of faith can show you many things, but some of you only limit it to need. It's like when James speaks about the prayer of faith. It will heal the sick. Some people think that the prayer of faith is only limited to sickness. That's why I pray one time I share about it. There are about five things that qualify the prayer of faith. And one of which is that the revelation of the will of God concerning the prayer.
is important. The five things that qualify a prayer of faith. A prayer of faith. Here it's healing the sick, but it can do more than sickness. Because what if you're not sick? That's why I said, when you understand heavenly responsibility, new creation, where there is no sickness, your eyes open to a bigger place of ministry than just healing the sick and casting out devils. That's one of them. He said, when you see devils leave, know that the kingdom of God is come. That's all. It's just a sign that it is come. But the responsibility of the kingdom is bigger than casting out devils. And because of that, many people are limited and are surrounding only of that. Again, because African tradition and culture is foundationally witchcraft. So we even enter salvation as witch doctors. You understand? I remember the first time I went for a deliverance service. I got my blue book. I, I was just getting back to God. I was tired of everything. I've been around where you're seeing everything not working. And then you say, I think I need a deliverance. You see, I'm going to do a deliverance service, but I'll show you how true deliverance happens. So you, you know the difference. Because some of us now are even going into witchcraft and we think that it is deliverance. It's not deliverance, it's witchcraft. So I remember we go there and this guy starts to... I bought that blue book, I still keep it. Because every time I look at it, I am inspired to preach the grace of God. So this guy started to teach us every kind of devil and what it does. If you burn your cloth, this is the devil. If you do this, this is the devil. If you work hard and then you don't find, if you work hard at night and day and then you don't have, then that is doing on your life. Doing aiga, aiga You understand? Eh? He hunts, but he does not kill. Then he gives the name. Then if you are going through this, that is Musisi. If you are going through this, that is Mukasa. If this is disturbing you, oh, you're Mutiaba. You, you understand? Eh? So. You understand? So like, they, 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 now, common sense, common sense. Now, Christians, you're a new creation in Christ, right? God has told you, give your first fruits and your tithes, and you're giving your first fruits and your tithes, and you're giving, right? And he says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom, right? You, you're a hard worker, right? And you're not giving your tithes, you're not giving your offerings, you're not giving, right? And then you lose everything because you're not giving. And then instead of losing everything because you're not giving, instead of understanding that I have to align my finances by doing the principles, what do you do? You blame Dungu. And then you go for a deliverance service and put up your hands. Dungu, fire, go! And then you fall down. What are you falling under? My people perish for a lack of of knowledge. I took a cousin there. I fell under the power. He broke. I think he almost broke a chair. He didn't break it. 2019, the guy is still the same. He has never changed. And you know, such guys, they go for deliverance. Have you been around people who have been under deliverance for years and they, every year they are becoming more broke, more sick, more beggarly, more weak, everything is falling out. And then small successes, eh? like they pick 1,000 shillings. Eh? They're, oh my God, I picked money. This thing is working. It is working because they picked 1,000 shillings. And then they go back in more problems than 1,000 can fix. And then by the time they are 50, they look beaten. There was a woman who I know very well. This woman has been in deliverance services for as long as I can remember. She can fast for a whole year for her children, casting out. This is this. It must be entering. It's coming from where foreign spirits, flying spirits. Right? They're always conscious of every demon that is around. You know, you know. 
you shake her hand and you're like holding cement. But truly, this woman's hands hardened because of demonic activity. I could feel it that it was demonic. They were harder than a normal human being. They were years of too much toil and having nothing for their toil. And I looked at her, I felt so sorry because she reminded me of many, many Christians like that who are living a life of defeat in a time where of a glorious church. Oh, it I mean troubled income. It only means you're more than a conqueror. It only means it's coming not to stay. It is coming to pass. You'll go through it and you'll make it. You know, there are Christians who enjoy a sad story of Christianity. You know, some people are talking about yeah, a good life, a joy, unspeakable, full of glory and victory. You know, they say it's trouble. But what's the end of that trouble? What's the end of that disease? Is it to death or victory? No. We know that all things work together for good. It's a knowledge. It's not a hope and an expectation only. It's a knowledge too. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah again. So they, where they used to cast out devils. And I remember my first years of the prophetic. I messed up so badly. I separated people so badly. Because I was doing it the way some of our young men are doing it. And guess what? I had results but not impact. I touched the lives of men, but I did not have effect. One time I was in the ministry, and then I found a woman. I told her, your husband is cheating on you with a woman called Lydia. And the guy was in the meeting. She turned, he's here. So I called the guy to her, who is Lydia? I'm so sorry. Um, My wife, I'm sorry. The woman is like, oh, I think I know Lydia. Oh my God, you can imagine what happened there. Because of the stupidness I had in my head to think that I was qualified because I see. Therefore, I'm supposed to say everything I see so men know that I'm a man of God who sees in the spirit. All right? And God told me. He started to rebuke me in some of these things. He started to rebuke me in some of these things. One time I called a woman and I told her the auntie was bewitching her. I told her the name, who she is, how many children she has. The woman was like, what? She attacked the auntie. They started fighting. And later the auntie confessed. So everything I'd said as a man of God was true. Be And then God summons me and he told me you're stupid. I did not come to separate the sinner. I know that she messed up. But I revealed this for the salvation. Both of this woman who witchcraft was sent to. And the woman who sent witchcraft, you needed the salvation of both. I asked God, what was I supposed to do? You were simply supposed to pray in wisdom, cast whatever is off this woman, take it off besides it's of no effect, and then go back and pray for the auntie that she might come to the knowledge of me. (laughs) Then I was foolish because I had to show off that I can see in the spirit. He told me there's a reason why the woman who had four husbands, I met her alone on the well. I didn't go to say, you have four husbands. Is it true? Do I know you? Do you know me? Do, when you came in, did you know me? Do I do you have my phone call? Do I find phone call? You do phone call me? Do I do you know each other? Do you know my children? Have you been here? Do I know? Don't you have four? Hey, hey. Ah, scripture fire. <laughs> Woo. No. No. He did not come to a shame. He told me have the wisdom to say less than you see. 
And if you're living in a foundationally witchcraft culture, men think you don't see. When we get to the understanding of this access through faith, God wants you to know both the new and the old. He wants you to understand past, present, and future. That's the scribe instructed in the kingdom. Out of him both are both new and old. When they talk to you, you speak so old wisdom, older than your age, and you could study. When they talk to you, they see so new stuff that you cannot find in a book or a CD somewhere. Because the treasure which now Paul's, we have this treasure in nothing vessel. Some people don't know the things that come out of this treasure. It's one of them, both the new and old. In this instance, the householder, in his treasure, the Bible says, comes both new and old. In his treasure, he has both new and old. That means that the essence of faith working in his life primarily is for the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. It's for the knowledge of God. So the prayer of faith is not only for the sick, no, but that you may know him because this is eternal life, that you might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus. I wish I also had time to explain to you the things out of this treasure. Paul calls this treasure in Athens vessels that the excellence of power might be of God. It's one of them, the new and old stuff. But there is more that comes out of this treasure. It defines your life of prayer. It defines your life of relation. It defines the spirit of revelation functioning on your life. Some of you don't know, and I know you will see this over time. Because I saw this many years ago. I was amazed at the things I saw. I, I became so speechless. And that's so why I said sometimes I don't want to share some things because I don't want to be misunderstood. But I saw things years ago that made me understand why people like Grandison Finney shook a whole continent through the gospel. And why certain men die averagely? Of course, there are people who God will use as proponents of a movement. They'll be given a special grace. Like I was given something I know many men didn't have. But you see, that is not a limitation to say that because God has given one man something, therefore you're limited. No, I'm not the limit of men. I'm simply a standard. Like many other ministers in their different graces. But that doesn't mean that a man is limited. No, you... No, we are supposed to show you where to begin from. We don't limit where you go. And that is why no true father is intimidated by the success of his son. Do better than me, I'll be clapping and screaming. That's sonship, it's inheritance. It's not just associate. And so you have many instructors in the Lord, but a few fathers... Because many are not begetting in Christ. It's a relationship of interest and, and it's just the law of exchange. It's not impartation. It's business. It's networking. Invite me so I can invite you. Do this for me so I can do it for you. It's just transactional relationships. It's not father-son. It's not inheritance. It's not increase and multiplication. It's not by faith Isaac speaking. On his sons, Jacob and Esau, by faith concerning things to come. It's not the faith that aligns men into that. You don't see the transgenerational anointing. The faith I see in your grandmother and your mother, which is in thee also, Timothy. 
And so many men are dying with their oil. Their bones are in caves and they're only throwing dead men to leave. But without the understanding of the bones that raised the man and what it was. I'm sure the man who fell on Elijah's bones may have never known Elisha and who he was to Israel. And when a nation is not fathered, you start to see a very big indifference because they have much influence but not much authority in the spirit. They have very big churches but they have very little say on the economies of nations, on the politics of nations. Even their own presidents don't listen to them because they're not fathers. And those who are using the part father are manipulating and abusing it. Like you've seen in the Roman Catholic churches and all these other things. Some of them are abusing it. Even the Pentecostal movement. Even in the Pentecostal movement. People call fathering a, a place of, of manipulating and, and using and taking advantage and imposing authority over men. No. If you consider yourself greatest in the kingdom, be least. Seek to serve and not be served. Seek to serve and not be served. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Again, because a lot has been warped in the kingdom. And that's why the church is losing power in certain parts of the world. The church is losing power. The influence now is political and money. It's not the anointing. Some of them, even when they go to meetings, they get intimidated. Is that God? Pooh, the power of God hits them and I said, is that, is that God? I've I, I never seen anything like that. Is that God? I tell them, yes, it is God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And they have men of God in their own nation too who are doing the same things. But you see, you can be in the same space and not have access to know that God is moving. Somebody saying the whole of Europe is dead. No, they are men of God doing the things we are doing here to the glory of God. But they're also hidden to a certain number. But that's only for a while. It will change. Tell your neighbor it will change to the glory of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I started to realize that this window of faith can give you access to many more things than just the healing of your body and putting bread on your table. Seek for more. When it comes to faith. When you understand that mystery. Faith the mystery. Not just the act but the mystery. You'll know why some people. Dwell where others visit. We celebrate visitations. When by faith we must be dwelling. And the experiences of both are different. Now I'm talking about a kingdom issue. But I know that some are not understanding where I'm coming from. I'm talking about the responsibility that goes beyond the self. Recently something happened. Jesus came. I, I told people for me when I'm summoned by Christ. Usually because I'm a land spirit. We don't begin by preambles of you know this is where I'm coming from to tell you this. No. When he speaks to you. When the Bible says he wakeneth my ear. And speaks to me as a land man. Right? As a landman, when an ear is awakened to hear as a landman, he doesn't need to explain much. He says simple things, and you already know where it's coming from, where you're coming from. He, literally, when you're learned, it's almost as though in every time God will engage you in a conversation, you already know the preamble. You already know the pre. You understand? So usually, when he comes. 
to talk to me about certain things. And again, why I don't express many of these experiences because I don't want to be misunderstood. Because again, you can give it and a certain man starts to last uh, for the privilege without the responsibility. He starts to hunger uh, for, for the thing without purpose and then it becomes lust and loses the revelation of why it is revealed and the love of God. And he even loses the sight to the things that, that, that he must see because he's trying to see like Apostle Grace sees. And what happens? They become echoes and not voices. They just become cheap copies of great originals. Yet God has created you to be you and the best you. So God has called you to exist in who you are, in the uniqueness of how he has created you. For me, that's how it comes. So he came in an encounter. So he comes, he gives me an encounter. And then he comes and he starts talking to me. And then when he was talking to me, he told me, remember the time I talked to you about the churches. Corinth, Thessalonica, Philippi, and Macedonia. And so he came during that time and then said to speak to me about the church of Macedonia. When you are a minister and you're a man of God and you understand this mystery, you easily find your place and your part. Right? You know why Simon the sorcerer could not receive the spirit? The Bible says his heart was not right with God and God told him you have no part in this. And true to form, Simon the sorcerer never had a part in the gospel. You can be gifted but not be a looted apart. Three really ones in the book of Revelation that he that adds or subtracts from his word, his, shall, his part shall be rubbed out. The placing of every man of God begins by finding your part, being placed in the kingdom. When you have a part, you don't compete, you don't compare. You don't, you don't. You're only inspired. You don't carry envy. When I knew my part, I have never looked at a man and envied or carried jealousy for the success of another or be intimidated because one man is pastoring a million people because I know my part in the gospel and it is well. And you know what? When you put your time on your part, it's amazing the things that start coming to you. Doors open. Doors open because I'm just busy fulfilling my part. But I don't put my way in another man. You'll never hear me in this pulpit attacking a man. What for? My part. If I rebuke, I'm rebuking from the apostolic office. I don't have any competition and envy with any man of God. I cannot. Why? Because I know my part. And I know the people God has called me for. I know my responsibility in their life very clearly. Very clearly. And it humbles me. It didn't pride me up. No. It didn't throw me up. No. It humbles me the more. Praise God. Because I count the responsibility to whom much is given. Much is what? Much is required. So Jesus comes. Then he tells me about the church in Macedonia. He says, look at the church in Macedonia. The Bible says, out of their liberality, they gave. Out of their poverty, it abounded to their liberality for... Uh, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. That means that they were the poorest church but biggest giver. Are you following what I'm saying? That is why I said when you understand the Macedonian call, you realize it's more than a man calling Paul to come to Macedonia. Why is it that the church in Macedonia is the church responding to Paul that way? 
Why isn't it Philippe, Corinth, or Ephesus? Don't you think that he was also called there too? He was! He had a part in Corinth. He had a part in, in Thessalonica. He had a part in Colossae. He had a part. But no church communicated and responded to him like Macedonia. He says, for firstly, they gave themselves unto God and unto us by the will of God. You realize the Macedonian call, the way God called Paul. That's why I said, as when a minister and you study that principle and pattern, you will know how to be blessed. And amazingly, when you are blessed, right? Every man who gives himself to you has firstly given himself to God. You don't manipulate them to give themselves to you. No. They give themselves to you as they've given themselves to God. So God literally starts to bring men to you who are given to him. The Bible says, thine people shall be willing in thine day of power. People will serve you in a way that will amaze you. Uh-huh. He says, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of power. Freely. You'll not need to tell them, do this. They will do it. They will do it. Pastors, we're not supposed to be manipulating people to serve. We're not supposed to be twisting the arms of men to serve. We're not supposed to be threatening them into service. No. When they are yours in your day of power, they are willing. Freely. Freely. They are willing. Freely. Freely. Oh, apostle, how come funeral people serve a certain way? And how come in certain ministries you have to pray, you have to pay guys if you don't, if you're not there, they don't do it anything. The problem is you, man of God. It's you. Find your God. The people who know him will serve you. Somebody shout hallelujah. They did this not as we hoped. That they went beyond themselves. Alright? You've read in the early church how men sold properties to come and build the kingdom. You remember the early church? Why do you think Ananias and Sapphira died? They died because they left a portion of what they were supposed to willfully give to God. There is a life I have been living for five years deliberately. Deliberately. Because I know what I am believing God for. When I tell people, for example, that now I give about 70% every year of whatever I receive to God. Many people look at it so strange. 70. Because there is somebody here, you have heard the sermon of tithe all your life, but you've even failed to trust God with your tents. And you think you're going to bypass these things and go to a prayer mountain and somehow have a miracle on you. You have a bigger problem than you think. Because if you cannot trust God even with a tenth, you're telling God that that tenth, the 10,000, the 20, the 200,000, the 1 million of the 10 million you have, that 1 million, it can do more than God can do. That's what you're telling him. If you don't give your first fruit for that month, you're telling God that I can live without your provision, but I cannot live without the provision of this first fruit. Because I know if our ministry gives its first fruit like we did the first day and have done every year, we are giving our tithes and more every year. We're giving above tithes now, our first fruits. That's an audit issue. We send our tithes through and more. 
right? So I don't worry about the future of Fonero. No. I give 70% a year. I don't worry about my future, my wife and children. I am well catered. Whether you bless me physically or you don't. Because I know the covenant Amanda. Right? But over five years, I said to realize that almost every year, I used to get, as deliberate, I used to get my hard-earned things and I, I used to find myself giving them in the kingdom. Right? Even when I got this vision, the Lord told me, do you know why in the earlier church men gave everything for the kingdom? It didn't mean that they were poor men. No, you will never outgive God. You understand? That mean that, oh, I want you to stay poor and have nothing in you. No, no, no. I'm only trying to give you a certain mentality. Please don't misunderstand me because your mind is already defiled in how people teach it outside there. We're not manipulating. We're trying to help you understand something. The Lord asked me, why is it that people in the church, in the early church in the book of Acts, they would give, they would sell their lands and buildings for the kingdom. Right? Ananias and Sapphira died for just living apart of the money that they had sold off their own lands. Do you understand? The church in Macedonia, their poverty abounded to their liberality. Not only were they givers physically, but they also gave themselves to God and served God. That is why I don't understand how you can hear this message for long and do nothing in a church. Find something to do, however small. And the Lord told me, you know why they don't do it these days? Is because many men have been taken back into the consciousness of the old Adamic nature. And for them it's survival and amassing. It's not kingdom. He said they have not given themselves fully to me. I'm not their source. They've not given themselves fully to me. So they cannot have the heart of the kingdom. There was a guy. This guy came. He got his first property. It wasn't worth much. Quite honestly, it wasn't quite much, but it was his first property in his life. It was a piece of land. It was probably 12 or 11 decimals of land. The guy brought it to me and he said, Apostle, the kingdom of God cannot look for equipment and I have this. And he gave it and he said, sell it. You understand? I remember another time, some couple... They got their first property. Their first property. They said, we had bought this property to build our matrimonial home. But when we had that there was a need in the kingdom, we chose to give. This was not a very expensive property. To the fraction, if you compare it to the amount of money we needed for the land. But the heart that told this man and woman that it's important that our property be given to the kingdom, that the church will be built, that thing is scarce in 2019. And I'm telling you that because I've been the biggest giver of Fanero since we started. Even when the vision came, I told my wife, there's a huge property we have, a couple of acres. I told her, immediately, let's give it to the kingdom. Immediately. We knelt on our knees that morning. We prayed and gave it to the Lord. Immediately that vision came. So I'm not telling you something I've not done. I've always surprised myself, even when I'm giving the Lord. I have failed to outgive him. That means I cannot be broke. But I'm only trying to tell you this, that when a man is given to God, there is nothing he cannot give, including himself. When you are in the old Adamic nature, 
You're always amassing and amassing and amassing for people to spoil, for people to inherit and also split and then inherit and also split. No, it's not what you leave for them. It's what you leave in them. My children are going to be blessed because of what I'll leave in them, not necessarily what I'll leave for them. Oh, of course, I'm a rich man. I'll never outgive God. Every year I've seen myself become richer because you can never outgive God. But I have learned to understand that the kingdom of God takes priority. There is nothing, the Lord knows it, that I can own and the kingdom needs and it's not available. I told God that. My wife is my witness because she knows everything. But most importantly, I gave myself to him. I'm available for his service. We are subduing. People see the numbers grow. They don't know that we are looking more so on the responsibility that it comes with. They don't understand that there's a responsibility to that. And that's what we're looking to. We're not looking at the prestige of it. No. To whom much is given, much is required. But when it is given, it carries a kingdom mindset. That's why we are subduing. That's why we are multiplying as a ministry. That's why we are fruitful as a ministry. Because our mindset is not selfish. It's to the glorification of God. When you're giving, give that for the kingdom. When you're serving, serve for the greater good of the kingdom. When you avail yourself to ministry, avail yourself for the sake of the kingdom. Give yourself wholly to these things. Your profiting will be unto all. Stop being selfish. I will ascend. I will build my throne. I will do this. I'll buy a car for me. I'll do this such that they know that I have this. I will do this. No, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Grow up. Pray for yourself. There is no prayer as special as a man praying for themselves. Pray for yourself. You take me you mold me. You use me. You feel me. Because I gave my life to the porter's hand. You call me. You guide me, you lead me, you walk beside me, cause I gave my life to the poor. Take a minute and talk to God. Help me quiet. You take me. You mold me. You use me. Use me. Feel me. Feel me. I give my life.
grant you grace to know the difference, to avail yourself, to be used of him and by him. May you avail yourself for the kingdom. Not even what you have. Most importantly, yourself for the kingdom. May you give yourself wholly to him. May you stop surviving and live in the beauty of his glory. May God break you and bend you. May he kill you and instruct you. May he lead you. May he help you in the words that you've heard tonight. May you find your place in Jesus' name. And all saints said, Amen. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, this is the best day. It is the best decision. Say, Lord Jesus, I have heard you. You have drawn me to you. The Bible says, with a heart a man believes and confession is made unto salvation. Tonight, I receive you in my heart as Lord and Savior and confess your Lordship as Lord and Savior who died for me and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.